Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode 5 of season 5 and I'm your host as always, Andy Davis. This week we're talking about sustainability in the bathroom. No way, don't switch us off. I promise it's really interesting. You see, that's the problem, isn't it? We all know how absolutely crucial it is that there is a global effort to tackle climate change, but this industry is really struggling to engage pretty much any retailers or indeed end consumers in the movement and what role it can play. It just seems that when they're buying their dream kitchen or bathroom, they want what they want and therefore their retailer will happily sell it to them. And that's particularly acute in the bathroom, the room with the biggest domestic impact on the environment thanks to the water it uses and, of course, the energy it takes to heat that water. A recent survey from the Bathroom Manufacturers Association, or BMA, showed very acutely that consumers and retailers think the responsibility for sustainability lies firmly with the manufacturer. So is that fair? And if it is, what can the manufacturer do to engage retailers and consumers? I'm talking it all through with BMA CEO Tom Reynolds and Dan Lintel, the Sustainability Manager at Triton Showers. And I promise it's well worth listening to. Don't switch us off just because it's about sustainability. But first, are you recruiting at the moment? Well, not only is it still free to post your job ads on kbbreview.com, it will stay free until September the 1st. It's been so popular that we've extended it through the summer. That's nice of us, isn't it? But don't worry if you're not ready to post yet, as from September the 1st, we're still giving out the discounts, as for the rest of 2022, you can post your ads for the reduced rate of £50 for 30 days. That's a third off the normal rate of £75. No catches, we're just celebrating the launch of our new self-service jobs page. Now likewise, if you're job hunting right now, you can see the dozens of vacancies we have there too. Just go to kbbreview.com forward slash jobs. Right, let's talk sustainability now. And to solve this global crisis in about 25 minutes, we have Dan Lintel, the Sustainability Manager for Triton Showers. Hello, Dan. Good morning. And we have Tom Reynolds, the CEO of the Bathroom Manufacturers Association. Welcome back, Tom, friend of the pod. Good morning, Andy. Right, sustainability, massive topic, and we all know it's hugely important. Is it fair to say, I think, that the bathroom industry is struggling a little bit with how to engage all the parties within it? So let's start with you, Tom, here. You're in charge of the Bathroom Manufacturers Association. Your own research seems to show that consumers and retailers see sustainability as the responsibility of the manufacturer. Is that fair, do you think? Well, yes and no. I mean, the, the manufacturer, of course, has a duty to ensure products are manufactured as sustainably as possible. Uh, 44% of consumers expect all manufacturers to have sustainable products. And you'll find that most BMA members have comprehensive programs to continuously improve their sustainability. But manufacturers don't directly communicate with consumers. That's why we've got our channel partners, such as the independent retailers. So we're really relying on you to sell our products, and that includes talking to the consumer about the sustainability credentials of both brands and the products which they're bringing to market. In reality, we, we live in the real world. Unfortunately, not all manufacturers are as good as their word, and with only 18% of consumers checking the sustainability credentials of the manufacturer before they purchase, retailers have really could do with helping uh, and asking their suppliers to back up their claims. There's a, a, a CMA green claims code, which was came out a few months ago, but there's no market surveillance to back that up. So we all really need to work together. 
So, Dan, let's go to you because, you know, you are Triton's sustainability manager. It's it's literally your job. It's 100% of your job. So, obviously, Triton take a lot of responsibility and care in what they're doing. But should it only be the manufacturer's responsibility? I agree with Tom. I think the answer is a yes and a no. I like visual metaphors, and I would say it's a bit like a relay race. It is our responsibility to to understand the environmental profile of our products, both from their, their sort of manufacturing phase, but also their use and disposal phase, but to pass that baton of knowledge on to the, the consumer. Because from the mathematical modeling work that we've done, between 90 and 95% of the environmental profile of uh, a shower is typically in the use phase. So there's things we can do in the development of, uh, of the shower to make it as efficient as possible uh, and have all the, the other consumer benefits people are looking for. But ultimately, it's how people use it um, and in particular, the, the water systems on which they use them, that will de- determine it. But I think it's it's very much incumbent on us to help communicate that environmental profile and that environmental understanding to consumers or to uh, to retailers as the sort of trusted advisor to the consumer in a way that allows the consumer to make conscious choices, um, to understand the, the better way of using the product. The, the responsibility is everybody's, but I think we as manufacturers need to own that baton at the start and pass it on in the appropriate way. I think part of the issue here, and one of the reasons why it is such a sort of woolly area to discuss, is that, yes, everyone has responsibility, but that responsibility is mostly moral. What commercial advantage there is in sustainability, I think, is part of the debate. What do you think, Tommy? Manufacturers, by the nature of what they do, concentrate on the sustainability of the manufacturing and the logistics and moving it around and all that kind of thing. And they take that responsibility very seriously because there is a commercial imperative to do so. But is that commercial imperative lost at the moment it leaves the factory? Well, manufacturers uh, are right to concentrate on the factors that are most within their control, right? Which is their their, their processes, their distribution, and their, uh, their their actual manufacturing processes themselves. And until manufacturers have a completely neutral environmental impact from their own operations, then they're right to to focus on them. But I think what you're you're seeing increasingly in different parts of the the bathroom market, uh, particularly the really big kind of merchanting brands is they're, they're asking their suppliers to provide lots of environmental, social and governance information as part of their due diligence process. And that is because they're, they're trying to secure finance from the, uh, the financial markets who equally have a, an imperative around the, the so-called ESG information. So, yeah, there, there is a commercial imperative in other parts of the bathroom market. And I think what I, I'd like to see is manufacturers and independent retailers working together to try and bring some of that to the the RMI market, the the replacement market, and that can really only come from having conversations with customers. Yeah, so how about you, Dan? You're there on the shop floor, so to speak, of that factory. How much of your job as a sustainability manager is thinking about how your showers are made and how much of it is thinking about how your showers are used? The short answer is all of it. We've just completed our full value chain uh, carbon footprinting. So that's looking at literally everything related to the, the, the product and the service that we, that we offer, from cradle to grave for the whole, the whole system, including how we, our employees get to the office, um, business travel, the use phase, direct and indirect use phase uh, emissions. And we've, we've just completed the um, baseline work for Canada Year 2021, which is now giving us a really clear insight of where the true 
impacts are from a, a carbon perspective. And, and you know, carbon footprinting is just one aspect of sustainability, but it's it's one that's very much front and centre for us as a species. So by having that, that information, we, we are now looking at it and saying, okay, in order to achieve our, our net zero ambitions, which are ambitious, uh, net zero is a huge change. We now have to look at, look at that, that data and say, so what, what can we do to get to, to net zero? Now, net zero requires a minimum of a 90% reduction in the, the, the carbon footprint of the entire process. Uh, looking at the data, the use phase of, of showers, as I said earlier, is sort of 90 to 95% of that, that footprint. Now, we could sit back and go, oh, OK, there's nothing we can do about that. Well, there is. The educational piece is one aspect of it. Making the showers as efficient as possible uh, is another. I mean, fortunately, electric showers are typically around sort of 96% efficient. So there's not a lot we can do there. But we can help customers understand the impact of how they use it and how that will affect that part of the value chain as well. So my role is, is leading that data work, but also then putting back on my, because I come from a design uh, engineering background, putting that head up back on and saying, okay, so what needs to be true? What can we do to change this? You know, and it, it's going to require a different sort of thinking than, than we've had today. But do you think, and is this part of the discussion, that doing all that will help you sell more showers? In other words, are consumers going to be interested in and are looking for those kind of elements in what products you produce? I believe there are massive opportunities for our customers to save significant amounts of money whilst also reducing their environmental profile. Just to try and illustrate that to you, we've done some modelling work looking at the the use side of things. And if, for instance, uh, someone were to fit an electric shower instead of a a mixer shower coming off a a gas combi boiler, even an A-rated gas combi boiler, we estimate that an average family could save uh, somewhere in the region of between £100 and £120 a year, but also they would save enough carbon to do the equivalent of 1,700 miles in, a, in a, an average car. You start to scale that up, it makes a huge difference. Even if you just look at a mixer shower, people could using, again, you know, gas is, has been prolific as our method of water heating for many, many years in the UK. If people start to use low-flow shower heads or what have you, a quick calculation that I've done so that, you know, even if you reduce the, the flow rate by three litres a minute for your average shower, that's going to save you around 600 miles in a car. You scale that up to sort of 10% of the, the UK population and you get to figures that say it's the equivalent of taking 200,000 cars off the road if people just reduce the flow rate by three litres a minute for their, on average for their shower. That would save £200 million collectively and the, enough water to fill 13 or nearly 14,000 Olympic swimming pools. Can I chip in there, Andy? Yeah, of course you can, mate, because if I'm honest with you, Dan's background as a teacher was coming out there, and I, I, was, I was really worried he was going to ask me what the answer was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, again, looking at a different part of the, the bathroom market, in specification, the, the in-use phase, uh, phase emissions is becoming something that's really considered by architects and specifiers. So manufacturers are increasingly being asked for things like life cycle assessments and environmental product declarations to prove basically what the impact is uh, through the life of a building. Uh, So this is something that's increasingly required in the construction industry. I think what fair criticism from retailers might be is around the extent that we share all of this sustainability information that we've got up and down the supply chain. How can we really expect retailers to sell sustainability unless they're front and centre of our, our brand's messaging? 
you know, man, for years and years and years, as you know, Andy, we've discussed this several times, manufacturers place products on the unified water label uh, to show the, the water use credentials of, say, a shower or a, a basin tap. But how often are they displayed in showrooms or is the database referred to by a designer? So we've got to work together to better exchange this information up and down the supply chain. I suppose it comes down to what people see as an advantage. Because everything that Dan's describing here is fantastic stuff, and clearly that a lot of that product development is being driven from the construction side of the market, where the commercial argument comes in. But I think this is where this question of responsibility lies. Is there an assumption that stuff that gets made with a brand that people recognise is going to be as efficient as it possibly can be? Is going They will have taken some, some responsibility for the sustainability of the packaging, the manufacturing, and all that kind of thing. But that's where it ends, because I want a nice shower that gets me really wet and first thing in the morning. How you get across any sense of, of sustainability as an advantage as a user of that product as opposed to the person who makes it or drives it around? Is it about assumption versus advantage? Over 40% of uh, the consumers that we survey recently expect all manufacturers to have sustainable products. But I, I don't think it, it's fair for us to assume that sustainability isn't in the thinking of consumers when they enter into a showroom. The same survey found that Water efficiency, when people are deciding a, a, their choice of shower control, water efficiency is now the fifth most important element of their, their decision making. So it's about the, the median kind of decision making factor. Eleven For 11% of consumers, it's the top decision making factor when they choose their shower control. So it, it's not a case that consumers aren't interested in this at all. But also nearly 50% of, of consumers most trusted source of research is advice from either the designer or the retail salesperson. So really, we, we all need to drive the conversation. We must also remember the, the installer plays a particularly important role, particularly for the, the retrofit market. I um, appreciate some new builders, as Tom was alluding to. That that's, that's fairly well served, I think. And as you say, architects are, are looking and, and specifiers are looking for, for product data on which to work out, SAP ratings, all those sorts of things. When it comes to the general populace and probably a large proportion of the housing stock in the UK, when people go in, just to, as you said, Andrew, they might have these things in the background and there may be uh, much more focus at the moment on energy and energy costs because of the the global crisis that we've got. But people still are stuck with flow rate is everything. Andrew, you said it earlier beautifully. I want to get really, really wet in the first thing in the morning and that's that's my sacrosanct environment. What I say to people who, who say flow rate is everything is that, okay, take the shower head off. You'll get more flow rate, but that's not the experience you're looking for. Um, and I think that comes down to the educational piece and helping people see things a little bit more holistically and understand the trade-offs and the opportunity spaces. Going back to the point I was making about the installer, the installer for a lot of people is, is the trusted advisor because myself included, when you go to have something fitted, you go, well, okay, this person fits these on day in, day out. They'll know what's good and what isn't good. That's the, certainly the perception. The installer's motivation may have some element of sustainability in it, but often it's it's how can they fit this easily, reliably, and in a way that won't come back and cause them problems in six months, 12 months' time. So we need to, I think, engage with and help communicate with installers as well as that trusted independent advisor, because ultimately as, as consumers, we are bombarded with information day in, day out. We don't want to have to filter the minutiae. We want to have a, a clear objective way of going A versus B. I know what I'm getting. I know what my compromises are. 
I suppose to put it very simply, if you had two showers, and that's the example we're using, but if you had two showers next to each other and the performance of both was identical, but one used less energy, used less water, most reasonably minded consumers would choose that one over the other one. That's just, that's just the nature of, of the sort of psychology of the thing. But it's about convincing them on, on that performance, isn't it? That's the hardest part of all, is to almost hide the sustainability behind usual performance. For me, sustainability is just part of good design. It shouldn't be an add-on uh, necessarily. It's it's just, it should be baked in. As I mentioned it earlier, customers kind of expect you know, recognised brands to be doing this naturally and sort of rely on that, that sort of brand value to do that. Well, we've talked about the retailer a bit. Let's let's go into a bit more detail on where the re- the retailer's responsibility lies in this. Tom, we've had various discussions with retailers, haven't we, where fundamentally their argument is, look, I'm a retailer, I sell stuff to people. If consumers aren't asking for it, then I'm not going to sell it. It's as simple as that. So there can't just be a moral imperative about this, can there? What are the commercial advantages for the retailer? I always think this is a really interesting question because do retailers only ever talk about the features and benefits that are raised with them by the customer? Because I always thought that being a great salesperson was about educating uh, consumers about everything that's great about the product and and why can't that include the uh, sustainability credentials if uh, a shower can perform um, as good as uh, someone else's product but with a, a lower flow rate surely that's a, a, a great story to tell and and ultimately salespeople are are storytellers so whenever I've been to to buy a bathroom um, or a, a kitchen product it I've always been sold on a full range of uh, features and benefits. I can't understand why uh, the sustainability credentials can't be added to the mix. I mean, I guess it's what is a benefit, I suppose, is the uh, convincing retailers of what is the benefit. But I have have heard retailers talk about what what it what the thing is whatever it is what it's made of how it how it's made um you know it's carbon footprint in terms of delivery and logistics particularly if it's british made but it's very hard to get past that next stage of performance and you know saving water is the obvious one but saving energy is the other it's much easier to do in an appliance because you assume that that oven is going to cook your chicken and you assume that that washing machine or that dishwasher is going to clean your pants or clean your dishes don't get the two mixed up but I, I suppose that it's such a personal thing, having a shower or a wash or a bath or whatever it is, that it's simply not seen as a benefit yet. I suppose that there's a tremendous amount of innovation in this area going on at the moment. And I think as the, the, the more innovative products come to market, then that will probably drive, drive some conversations. I certainly hope so. I mean, Daniel, that must be a constant conversation at Triton, I'm sure, about maintaining performance while improving energy efficiency. Is that a huge part of your job? It's certainly part of the job. As I said before, electric showers are are typically um, almost 100% efficient, about around about 96%. Uh, Mixed showers, the efficiency is related to the the water source. So one of the things I have been looking at is is trying to understand the carbon footprint and and energy efficiency of of how you heat your water. And as, as as a country... In order for us to, to achieve our, our net zero by 2050 ambitions, how we heat our water and the electrification of water heating is definitely the trajectory we have to go, go down. Um, the, the, the carbon savings alone are astronomical when you start to look at it. So trying to understand that is, is absolutely the case. But what you, you touch on is more those subjective things. You know, how, do we, how do we communicate that eight litres a minute versus 12 litres a minute 
that's the same shower and it's imperceptibly different. Um, I would take people into to our, our test labs and we'll set those things up to say, OK, what, how's this flow for you? Can you notice the difference? And, and often they can't. But if you show it to them as pure numbers, of course, people correlate. Well, 12 is better than, than eight uh, or 15 is better than 12. And it's 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 how we get across that that um, subjectivity. You also have the, the subjectivity of style. You know, for, for a lot of people, how the thing looks when it's installed in the bathroom is paramount. It spends a lot of its time looking looking good, and that's what you want to um, to communicate. It's trying to understand how we can help people make those choices for themselves, because because they're subjective. Objective data often doesn't really work very well. That's where you have to. You know, use either trusted advisor route or allow people to experience it themselves. You don't buy a car without taking it for test travel. Ninety-nine percent of people don't. You know, but yet with showering products, you you do. You buy it on on face value and you install it and hope it's it does what it says on the tin, if you like. So, for me, it's again, it's that thinking differently. How can we allow people to make safe, informed choices uh, and and understand what those benefits are when they are um, tactile, immersive, subjective benefits. Okay, so Tom, what is the responsibility, if that's what we're talking about, of an organisation like the BMA to act as a conduit of information to retailers, to really get across those benefits to them? Is that a key part of your role as a representative of manufacturers? Yeah, we certainly wouldn't shy away from that role. And um, you'll you'll notice being the uh, editor-in-chief of... uh, uh, of KB Re- Review that offer my articles uh, in there have a, a, a sustainability leaning and we're talking about how uh, members' products are, are adapting to new sustainability requirements. So, um, yeah, there, there's a huge role for, for us as a trade body. And the other thing that we're trying to do is, um, you know, things like consumer habits have a, a massive influence on the sustainability of the bathroom in the youth, youth, uh, use phase. So we're, we're collaborating with people like the British um, Psychological Society to, to see how we can kind of have smarter sharing solutions. So as an association, we're pulling some of our member brands into that, that conversation. Um, and it's all about uh, tr- trying to get continuously better as a sector. Well, let's go on to the actual consumers in a minute. What's really interesting about this for me from a manufacturer's point of view, is that this is an issue is forcing the chain to close up and to close gaps. You know, it, it, historically, the people that make things, as you said earlier, don't talk directly to the people who sell them. There's always a, usually a, a, some kind of distributor in the middle, and they certainly don't talk to consumers directly because there's obviously a chain of, of retail in between them. But this is kind of forcing these gaps to be closed up a bit and to try and see it as a, as a circle, a constant conversation between all parties as opposed to just a chain. What do you think, Dan? I, I completely agree. I think um, one of the sort of key uh, environmental drivers at the moment is is a push towards a more circular economy. So that's that's a, a broader view of exactly the same thing. Um, as a as a design engineer by background, um, trying to design a product without understanding deeply understanding the needs of, of the end user is is nigh on impossible. Um, certainly to do a, a good repeatable job. So we need to have those conversations. We need to it needs to be collaborative all the way through. Um, we need to understand those stakeholders, their role in that, their motivations, um, because a specifier's role and motivation is very different from a consumer's. Um, we have this discussion a lot. We've, we've helped um, housing association um, companies, what have you, to to understand the the environmental impact of of showering options on their development. And, and I often say to them, 
what's your what's your primary motivator? Is it water usage? Is it energy usage? Is it carbon footprint? What is it? Do you, if you're not too worried about how much is it going to cost the end consumer, then it's you, you come at it from a different perspective. Um, but we have to have those direct conversations and those honest and open conversations in order to to best serve the needs of everybody. Because a, a truly circular system actually um, achieves the, the net benefit for everybody. Um, it is we have to move away from that very sort of linear transactional um, approach, both in material flow, but also in in, in data, knowledge, understanding and, and experiences. Yes, exactly. Look, let's talk a little bit about the consumer because some of the research you've done, Tom, really demonstrates that it's about changing habits, isn't it? Like if you ask consumers, do you want to be more sustainable? They all say yes. But actually, as as I think that your research puts it, behind closed doors, once they're in the bathroom, they don't change their habits at all. So how do we set about changing the habits of how people use these products because it's unlike for example a washing machine where there's a fixed cycle you know you can spend five minutes in the shower or you can spend 25 minutes in the shower so how do you go about changing habits yeah i think this is the the single biggest challenge that we have for improving the sustainability of the bathroom um you know we can do everything that we can to to kind of decarbonize our process and make products more water efficient uh, and everything but if if consumer behaviors don't also change then we're not going to achieve the the sorts of transformation that that we require so it is a, an enormous challenge i think the thir- first thing to do is to employ as far as possible behavioral uh, ergonomics uh, so engineering solutions that work around the way we as humans behave and that's not always been a strength of our industry in, in the past, but in, in recent years, there's been, a, as I, I mentioned earlier, a huge uh, number of innovations. So you're seeing things, uh, let's just take showering as, a, as one, exa- uh, one example. You're seeing things like heat recovery systems on, on showers that recycle the heat and, and reduce the, the energy requirement of a, a shower. You're seeing programmable showers that can stop and start to allow the the user to soap up if they want uh, and then then restart at the correct temperature you're seeing personalized uh, programs that have different arrangements for a quick morning shower versus a a relaxing evening shower uh, lighting systems that give the the user a cue to give them a nudge to to get on with it and 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 hurry up all sorts of different innovations what, as I said, we're, we're collaborating with the BPS uh, and several universities to discuss how we can go even further to help consumers um, shower smartly. You know, outside of showering, which I know has dominated our conversation, there's other things that we can do, like bathroom furniture. RAP have done a lot of research on the rates of recycling for packaging are so much lower in the bathroom versus other uh, other rooms in the house, notably the, the kitchen. So, are we building recycling solutions into, into into bathroom furniture? All sorts that we can do, and that's all around uh, working out how humans behave and and accommodating them. What do you think, Danny? Do you have a psychologist hotline somewhere where that you phone up every time you're designing something new? Uh, no, we don't. Um, I have personally have some experience of, of working out space, but we do have um, one of our design engineers is. Is engaged with exactly the initiatives that Tom was mentioning uh, with the universities and, and has, has collaborated on the um, joint brainstorming session to, to look at that and understand how you can use some of those uh, psychological tools to to as levers as nudges to 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 change behaviors so uh, no we don't but as a designer that's part of what you have to one of the hats you have to wear anyway 
for me, it, it comes down to, to having data and, and being able to make dis informed decisions based on data and on evidence. Um, I, I come from a, a background of medical pharmaceutical drug delivery, and, and that's a very data-driven, evidence-based um, uh, industry. Uh, and I think applying some of that to the process so that we can understand where are the key hotspots. Now, as a as an industry, we're very good at understanding the cost profile of our products. Where, the, where are the big costs? What can we do to, to mitigate, reduce them? Well, sustainability in particular, carbon is just another metric that we can use very much to say, okay, if we do this into this part of the process and we make a 50% reduction, it will cost us so much. Well, can we get more bang for our buck, to, to use the expression, by spending that money somewhere else where we'll actually get a, a bigger overall impact? And it's trying to sort of allocate resource, which is human resource as much as it is money, based on where the data tells us we're going to have the greatest impact. So go after the low-hanging fruit first and then work our way down. Um, and as designers, you know, working out what is the problem we're trying to solve. Um, because we're very good at solving problems, but um, if we're solving the wrong problems, things don't get better. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the, the realisation seems to have taken place, I think, that this is a war you're fighting on two fronts, you know, that yes, there's a huge part of it about the sustainability of manufacturing, which is clearly massive. But then the other front is you've got to come at it from totally the other end of the chain, which is you've got to convince consumers to want it in the first place. And actually, that's what manufacturing has been for thousands of years. But it's just for this particular subject hasn't been tackled in that way, I don't think. No, and I think in, in like all good innovations, you, if you get a paradigm shift, it becomes a fantastic opportunity for innovation. You know, if you look at the showering experience for the last 20 or 30 years, it, it broadly hasn't really changed. But as Tom's alluded to, there are a lot of new things coming through based on a little bit of, of um, customer pull, customer expectations. You know, we work in a, or we, we live in a, a very data-driven, information-rich uh, society. But bathroom is, is one of the areas where that, isn't so prolific. Now, that has some benefits. A lot of us prefer not to have technology in our bathrooms in that sense, but but where can we use technology to really help? Um, as I said, it's, it's, it's that that's driving the innovation because, you're, you're again, you're thinking about a problem from a completely different perspective with a different lens, with a different motivation and mindset. And that is, I think it's a very exciting time. It is. Supply and demand, it's as old as the hills, though. Look, gents, clock's beating us. Look, it's obviously a huge area, but uh, it's so important. And hopefully these are the kind of conversations, particularly on responsibility, uh, that, that will try and push everyone in the same direction. So, look, but for now, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Daniel. Huge thanks to Tom Reynolds and Dan Lintel there. So what do you think? Is it all down to the manufacturer? If you're a retailer, do you think you should bring it up if the customer doesn't? Do you think sustainability equals a lesser performance? It's going to run and run this one because it is not going away. In fact, I would argue that this is going to be the single biggest defining factor of the next decade in this industry. Don't forget, you can still post your free job ads until September the 1st at kbbreview.com forward slash jobs. And if you're job hunting, you can see all our current vacancies there too. See you next time.